Welcome back to the SoFlo Vegans podcast. I'm your host and founder of SoFlo Vegans, Sean Russell. On this episode, we feature Aylam Oren, who is the founder and president of Our Planet There's Two. We wanted to have Aylam on to talk about their vision and mission, his vegan origin story, and the work they've done through their project, National Animal Rights Day, now in its 11th year. SoFlo Vegans is excited to be presenting this year's Miami event along with our host, Aguacate Sanctuary of Love. So in honor of this fact, we're spotlighting founder of Aguacate, Dane Cabrera, at the end of the episode. As always, we want to thank you for listening and be sure to share this episode as well as leave a review wherever you downloaded this episode. So with that being said, check out today's episode with Alam Oren on the SoFlo Vegans podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the SoFlo Vegans podcast. Right now, we have Alam Orion from Our Planet. There's two joining us to talk about their organization, a big event that's happening around the globe, but in Miami as well, and so much more. So thank you so much for being on the show, Alam. Thank you for having me. So we have a tradition on our podcast. One of the first things we like to talk about is your vegan origin story. How did you start your journey? Yeah, so I grew up, in, I was born in the U.S., but grew up in Israel. And in Israel, there's many, many cats all over the place, everywhere in the streets, in the yards, backyards. R- literally, there's more cats than people. Um, so I was one of those pe- weird people that was feeding the cats, right? I was a cat feeder, like feeding 20 cats every day. And of course, my neighbors hated me. I mean, people are nice to the cats in general, but, you know, they didn't want them around the house. Um, was, I was feeding the cats and loving them and getting to know them and you know, having names for them and getting their, to know their personalities. Um, but never dawned on me, you know, that I'm actually contributing to other kind of suffering. I mean, the cats are doing okay, but, you know, they, they depend on people to feed them in the winter, which is not terrible in Israel, but it still can get cold. Uh, you know, they don't really have places to be. And it's not, it's not a great life, right? There's cars, they can get run over. Uh, it's not a great life on the streets, even in Israel. Um, so I would do whatever I can to help them, but it never never made the connection between those animals and the animals I was eating. And then there was another type of animals that I was helping. Uh, in Israel, we have this old tradition that is kind of from Eastern Europe, a uh, Jewish tradition called Altezachen, which is basically a cart attached to a horse uh, going around in the streets, and the guy shouts, Altezachen, which means old things in Yiddish, and that's kind of a prompt for people, every, anybody, anyone who wants to get rid of their fridge or their oven or whatever. Uh, yeah, I don't even know if they sell it to the guy, but the guy just takes it, just takes it from them, right? So he shouts, Alte Zachen, then you hear him, you stop, yeah, yeah, I have an oven here. You bring the oven down, and he, he puts it on the cart, and this poor horse has to carry this cart in the streets of Tel Aviv. Um, and that, that really pissed me off so much. It's a really old, archaic, you know, tradition from centuries ago in Eastern Europe, where you really had only horses, right? Um, so I would write letters to the Ministry of Agriculture and, you know, the Association for the Protection of the Horses and all kind of stuff, and I said, how, how do we allow this to happen still? So I was very active for cats and then horses, still didn't make the connection. Um, I then moved to the, back to the U.S. in 2000 to study acting in New York, and... Um, I was studying uh, 
other than acting, I was studying Indian philosophies and, you know, Eastern philosophies, Vedanta and yoga. And my teacher, my yoga teacher from India said something like, he was, of course, a vegetarian slash vegan. And he said, look at what lengths people would go to just to pleasure their taste buds for a few seconds, meaning in every meal. And he, he really, that kind of planted a strong seed in my mind. And then I, you know, in a kind of a coincidence, coincidence of events, I happened to stumble upon a brochure from Vegan Outreach, you know, the group Vegan Outreach. It's a brochure called Why Vegan? And it showed me for the first time, I, I would have to say I'd never seen those before, it showed me images of how animals are treated in factory farms in the West, you know, um, and how, I mean, it didn't show uh, too, uh, too much gory stuff, but it showed, you know, footage from slaughterhouses. And I just, you know, my eyes completely opened up. So my love for animals from Israel and what my teacher told me, and then seeing these images, that together really opened my eyes, and I went vegetarian the next day. Um, I still didn't know about the dairy and egg industry, so I was a vegetarian for a few years. And then um, go, learning more about animal rights, you know, finding out who are the groups in, in New York that did animal rights. You know, it was PETA, Farm Sanctuary, uh, Mercy for Animals, and a few more. Going to events, finding my place. I, I felt I had a strong calling to speak for animals and end their suffering, but I didn't really find my way. And then in another demo, I was in a protest. I forget who it was. I, th I think it was for Kaparos against the, you know, the ritual, Jewish ritual of Kaparos, another, another archaic ritual from hundreds of years ago from Europe that really uh, its time has passed. Um, I was in demo against those. And then I realized, wow, I'm protesting the abuse of chickens, but I'm actually eating, still eating eggs and dairy. So that made me go vegan. So basically, that was, that was the, the coin dropping. I went vegan. And that was just before we started the, our national animal rights event for the first time in 2011. So by the time we put on this event, I was, I was vegan. That's a perfect segue into how you started to get involved. You, you kind of teed it up right there. So take us to what was that next step for you? Yeah, so the next step was really looking for what, how can I contribute with my skills. You know, I'm an actor. I, I'm in the, in the arts. I like public speaking, as you can see with my hand. Um, what can I, what is the best way for me to contribute? So I, I went to different protests and events with other groups, you know, so I tried leafleting in the streets, talking to people. I didn't feel that was my, for, my forte. I tried some, you know, more vocal kind of direct actions and um, didn't feel that was my forte. And then I happened to be, go to the Cannes Film Festival with a film of mine in 2010. And on the way back, you know, that's in, uh, on the way back from Cannes in France, I stopped in Madrid, Spain, and I saw a group of people standing in a, in a line in the middle of the street with laptops on their bodies. They didn't have masks. They're, you could see their faces. They stood there silently and just showed videos on laptops of animal abuse, animal slaughter, animal farms. And that really hit me in the stomach. And I said, wow, this is it. This is what I want to do. It's using the power of, of art and vid, you know, images, videos, which is my field. I was also a filmmaker. That's why I went to the the Cannes Film Festival, and it has a mass appeal. It, it reaches a lot of people in one time, and it's just showing them the facts, and you don't even have, I mean, these people standing in line, they didn't even speak to anybody. It was just silent. And that was before the days of Anonymous for the Voiceless, so now we know it's the same methodology. But that was the group called Igualdad Animal in Spanish, or Animal Equality, 
who is a very known group these days. Um, and I, I was really, I felt an emotional reaction. I said, that's, I want to bring this to the U.S. So I went to talk to them afterwards. They had a table on the side. Asked them who they are. Can I bring it to the U.S.? At the time, they weren't ready to bring it to the U.S. And since then, in the meantime, they did come to the U.S. They have a, a branch here. But I decided, okay, I'll, I'll bring this methodology of showing videos in public to, to the U.S. So that's what we did. I, I got a, a group of activists in New York, and we started doing uh, video demos in New York. Laptops didn't really work well in New York, so we literally slept a big-ass TV, you know, in the old days, like a big TV, to the middle of Union Square in, in uh, New York City, and we showed videos. We showed Meet Your Meet and other videos, and we just stood there in line as well with posters and silently just showing the videos. Um, and that was effective. We liked it. We reached a lot of people, but we felt not enough. We felt that, you know, most passers-by didn't feel compelled to stop and engage with the footage. So we reach a lot of people that were hanging out in the square, but we felt we, we, re we need to reach more people. We need to step it up a bit. And that's how we kind of came, came up with the idea of uh, doing a, one big event, combining all the animal groups, animal rights groups in the city to do one event together for the animals using the power of images and videos. And that's how the idea of, for NARD or National Animal Rights Day came about. I did call a meeting for all the heads of the animal rights groups in New York City. We met at Jiva Mukti Yoga Center in 2011 in New York, and we discussed what can we do all coming together for the animals. And eventually that, that's what came out of um, that effort, the National Animal Rights Day. We decided to call it that. And we had an opening ceremony using images and some videos and then a celebration afterwards. We came up with this format, which I was kind of used to from funerals in Israel, where you go, you know, you go to the cemetery, you cry, you're very sad over the dead, but then you go home and you eat and eventually you, you start laughing and you leave on, on a higher, more kind of empowering, hopeful note. So we, we realized that format uh, really works with human beings. Um, so we decided to adopt it uh, into our event. So we, start, we started this event with an opening ceremony that was very moving, including spoken word and music and images of different types of animals, how they're being abused by humans. But then we didn't en end up there like any protest. We stayed and we did the other side, which is a celebration. We realized we want to celebrate us as a community, give each other a pat on the back once a year for the hard work we all do throughout the year celebrate the living animals that we have in our lives, like my cat here, and celebrate uh, the progress that our movement is making every year towards you know, a cruelty-free vegan world. Uh, yep. <laughs> so the event has, so when you, when was, remind me again, when was the first year that you started? 2011. The, 2011, so you've had a, you know, a few years now that the event has been in the works. So how has the event grown from 2011 till now? Yes, it's, it's grown significantly. So from one event in New York for the first two years, um, the second year we, I moved to Los Angeles for my acting career. So I brought it there. We started doing it in LA. Then San Francisco wanted to do it. And now we have, well, now it's COVID. But last year we were supposed to have about 70 events around the world. Then COVID hit. We eventually combined all of them into one big Zoom event. But now we're opening, opening, opening up again. So this year, we're supposed to have about 50 public events um, in cities around the world that allow public events. Some of them would love to join us, but they still can't because of quarantine and, and lockdowns. But yeah, around 50 outdoor events, going back to the old format of these events, 
um, showing the public, you know, doing this opening ceremony, showing the public in a respectful but silent way the results of their lifestyles, and then uh, celebrating afterwards, celebrating our movement and the, the wins that our movement is having every year. Okay, and then so we talked about the history of it, you know, kind of what led you to actually getting it started. In terms of the actual day of the event, currently as it is right now, can people expect to see something similar across the board or does it differ per different city? Yeah, so we, we still keep everything unified. So everybody's wearing these shirts at our ceremonies all around the world. Um, and everybody's keeping that format of a, an opening ceremony, which is basically a memorial slash funeral service for the animals. And then the celebration afterwards. Um, we also have, you know, we try to, uh, in the ceremony, people are holding images of animals and we're all using the same kind of collection of images. Um, and one other element that we added to our events over the years, which has also became kind of our trademark, so to speak, by now, is having some of the victims with us in these ceremonies. So we haven't invented that element. We took it from Igualdad Animal in Spain again, because for the International Animal Rights Day, which only is celebrated in Spain and the UK. Um, they got 400 people to that same square, Plaza del Sol in Madrid. And instead of the video demos, they basically brought everybody standing silently. But instead of holding a laptop showing videos, they're holding the real victims. So bodies of animals that died in farms and different industries that abuse animals. So when I saw that, I was even more blown away by this group. And I said, we gotta incorporate this element into our opening ceremonies. And I got their blessing. I spoke to them. They're good friends of mine. Um, got their blessing to do it. Um, right before we did it for the first time in 2013 here in L.A., incorporating the, the deceased into the ceremonies, uh, another group in Australia did it, uh, Animal Liberation Victoria, and another group in Israel did it. I spoke to them as well. I got everybody's blessing. Hey, is it okay with you guys that we bring add this element to our opening ceremonies? They all said yes, and they helped us with it. And that's what we did. So by now, some of our cities, some of our ceremonies around the world, the people standing in this funeral service or memorial service are not only holding the faces of different animals, but also some of the victims themselves. And the idea behind it is not to shock the public or scare anybody. These animals are not scary by any means. They're cute, beautiful animals cradled in people's arms the way you would cradle your cat or dog or your human baby. Um, we want to show people directly the victims of their lifestyle choices. Um, pe most people will never see a pig or a baby cow or even a chicken or a turkey in their, life, in their lifetime. They're just used to seeing a piece of meat on their plate. So we take these animals um, that died on their own, by the way. They were not killed. They died on their own in all kinds of places. And before they would be thrown to the garbage or discarded in other ways, we get their bodies, we clean them, we give them the only love and affection they ever gotten on this planet. And then we honor them in the ceremony. We, we hold their bodies, we give them a name, we give each animal a story, and we commemorate them. And then after this, these events, we either bury them or cremate them. So we add that at this element of honoring the animals, not just in general, but really specifically honoring these victims, giving them a proper name, story, and a funeral. And um, and also in also at the same time showing the public, um, you know, in in a way that is not non-threatening and non um, in a way that doesn't make them wrong, showing them in a passive 
uh, way, hey, in case you didn't know, these are the victims that you eat, that your lifestyle, if you're not vegan, that your lifestyle promotes, right? Um, so we found that this element added a whole new level to these events. Uh, most people really love it. It's very emotional, both for the activists and for the public watching. And indeed, we found that this element really, I mean, make people go vegan. People see it, they get it, not on a mental level. Oh, I shouldn't be eating animals because it's not good for the environment. They get it on, a, on an emotional level. It reaches their heart. Wow, I'm, I'm eating these animals or I'm respon responsible for them being dead now. People get it and a lot of them decide right there and then to go vegan. And then in the second part of the event, which is the celebration, we there then give them all the information they need on how to go vegan, how easy it is, how great the food is, how you know all these options exist everywhere, most places for people to have a vegan lifestyle. So it's kind of a full-on event that caters to all aspects of, of where, wherever people are in, on their journey to eventually being vegan. So thank you for that breakdown and explanation of it. And um, kind of wrapping up, I want, I want to know about you personally is you talked about the evolution or the many changes that have gone through for this event. For you personally as an activist, and it sounds like you've been an activist even before you became vegan, yeah. like, what have you noticed you know, in terms of your evolution and the way that you've communicated that may be of support to other people that are maybe getting started right now? Um. You know, yeah. the movement has grown, and I really, you know, there's the forefathers, you know, the PETA and, and the other groups that have been around for decades, you know, all re due respect to them. Uh, the movement has been revolutionized, really, or invigorated by Igualdad Animal and Inequality in 2006 in Spain, and from there spread on to other places around the world. And now we have all these other amazing groups like Anonymous for the Voiceless, DXE, and other groups, um, uh, Save the Save Movement that are really doing their share in, in hammering this message into people's hearts and minds that it's wrong to abuse animals, it's bad for your health, it's bad for the environment and the planet, it's bad, of course, bad for the animals, it's bad in any, any way you look at it. Uh, so I definitely see a growth in the movement. With it comes a lot of you know, strife and fights in the movement, and <laughs> I have experienced those as well. Um, but it seems like there's many more people now that are interested in this lifestyle, understand that it's morally and ethically and in other ways, aspects as well, wrong to systematically cage and mutilate and kill billions of animals every year just for human consumption or human clothing or household products or cosmetics or anything like that for, you know, clothes. Um, many more people around the world are waking up realizing that it's wrong, realizing that the relationship that the human species has with other species is just fundamentally wrong and completely distorted, and that there, it would benefit everybody, especially the planet, if we end this reliance on animals and shift to a different system, which is a plant-based system that doesn't abuse living beings, doesn't cause damage to the environment, um, uh, you know, to air, water, green surfaces, forests and everything else on the planet and really is gonna is the only way to uh, sustainably maintain this planet for generations to come um, we all know by now that the plants plant-based um, approach to things is the only one that is sustainable and is healthy and um, 
won't lead us down the road to uh, you know destruction of this planet and loss of species and eventually loss of the human race. I mean, we 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 forget that even even if bees, which are abused also in the honey industry, but even if bees disappeared from this planet, or even if fish, you know, I'm sure everybody's seen um, seaspiracy uh, recently. Any one of these species, if we lose them, the whole ecological system is going to go out of balance, and eventually human beings will be will perish. I mean, I, I think it's clear to everybody. As as small as a bee, if bees stopped existing, there won't be flowers, there won't be trees pollinating, there won't be food. Eventually, food there won't be food to feed the animals that we're now feeding and then eating. Everything will go out of whack. So um, I think. Long story short to your question, I, I see a lot of progress in the movement. A lot of young people mostly are waking up around the world. And, you know, it's really heartwarming when I, I speak to new organizers. For example, I just we have a, a bunch of cities in Africa that joined us. So I speak in, uh, with activists in Africa. I speak with activists in, in Tel Aviv, Israel. I speak with activists in Amman, Jordan for the first time. They have a small vegan community there. So literally everywhere around the world, pe people are waking up and realizing that this is the right way to go. So I'm, I feel very encouraged. It's a little too slow for my taste. I wish everybody else would wake up, and this would be much more rapid before it's going to be too late ecologically. But I think we're going in the right direction. I just hope that, uh, yeah, everybody else will wake up uh, soon enough while we still have this planet and you know, still have the human race and animals around. And then and in closing, could you talk to our community specifically about why they should come and you know support this event and participate in what we have brewing here in Miami. Yeah, you know, I would say just come and um, come and watch watch these events. You don't have to participate um, in the first year, but come and watch with an open heart and watch these ceremonies. Uh, you know, commemorate the billions of animals that die every year unnecessarily. Commemorate with us. Let your emotions, uh, you know, flow freely. You'll be in, in, in the company of amazing, dedicated activists, people that really, their heart is in the right place. They care about animals. They care about the planet. They care about people as well. So come and experience this, this event. Be there in the ceremony. And then after the ceremony, we slowly transition into the celebration. Let yourself also celebrate and be, again, in a community of like-minded people. And just see how you feel throughout this day. And, you know, I don't know where you are on your journey. And it doesn't matter where you are on your journey. We respect everybody, but hopefully being there and, and seeing this ceremony um, will do something to you. And, and if you have uh, any questions afterwards of how to change your lifestyle and what you could do, you yourself, in order to uh, align your heart and your values with this me the message of this event, which is to not use and abuse animals in any way, we are here, we are here to, and I'm saying we, all our organizers in all our cities, we're here to to help you do it. So it's a it's a sad event. It's also a fun event, and it's also an educational event, all wrapped up in one. Uh, but anyway, you will have a, a, an interesting, interesting, moving experience. And most people, I can tell you, without sounding too vain, most people leave these events very, very empowered. Uh, you know, whether to fight, keep on fighting for animals, or empowered to make changes in their life and go vegetarian or go vegan. Um, but every, most people leave this, these events really empowered and, and um, on a hopeful note for, for the future. Spotlight commencing in five, four, three, two, one.
is Danae Cabrera. I am the founder of Aguacate Century Review of Love and I'm here with Self Love Vegan. So this is Aguacate. It's about an acre right now of uh, sanctuary space for the animals. Uh, Plant-based eating, uh, wellness of the mind. We do yoga, meditation, different type of workshops to help <laughs> to help our our guests kind of tune in more to self-love, self-care practices. And then we have the garden center where we grow foods, where we have organic um, beets and things that we are growing. And we also have fruit plants that we sell. I went vegan on my own because I made the connection and after I changed my diet, my whole lifestyle changed. I was happier all the time, I changed, my hair changed, my skin changed, everything just started to feel more bliss, more connected and I wanted everyone to experience what I was experiencing. I'm like, how can changing food alone make me feel so much better? How about if we create something where we can just share the Latin flair and taste of food and incorporate it into plant-based so people see that being a plant-based eater does not mean that you have to eat salads all the time. You can have the same burgers, the same sandwiches, the same bowls and the amazing flavor coming from over 80,000 plants that are available in our planet for us to consume. Say hi, come say hi. Come say hi. What's Antonio's story? Antonio was born here, he's Bertha's mom. So Bertha was uh, safe from the uh, meat industry. She used to be used for impregnating. Um, she was impregnated very often, like about four times before Antonio, for um, expensive cattle show. So usually these type of, of cows, after being impregnated several times, they're sent to slaughter. So she was, this was, her last baby. So if you look at Antonio, he's a mix of a Bram Bull, I think is is the breed, and, and her. So um, I was able to negotiate her to keep her in the land. So he was born here. So we're very excited to have her. So Bertha has a uh, disease, which is called the sloppy jaw disease. And she was given 12 to 16 months of life. We sent her to University of Florida for surgery. But unfortunately, the doctor said that she couldn't get surgery because she'll bleed out on the surgery table. So she's home with her baby. And you just, you know, we keep an eye on her. So she's eating properly. She's getting the proper nutrition. And this is her home. Well, there is it's a whole acre. So you can definitely wait a little bit for your food. If it's a weekend, it's a little busy. However, they can come in and visit the animals, go to the garden center, um, have tea tasting, have yoga, do meditation, do a whole wellness approach to their health. Have 15 to 30 minutes, 40 minutes of eating delicious plant-based foods and just connecting, really. So my message to the community is don't stop searching. Don't stop searching for the best and best version of yourself, right? And food has a lot to do with it. 
everything that you put in your body becomes who you are. So start thinking what's on my plate and you will become that that you eat. So eat foods that come from love and you'll see how your life will be transformed. Find out where your food comes from. Connect with the planet, go out to nature, walk barefoot. There is, you know, nature is our medicine. Um, let's, let's all connect. We are all one in connection with all of our animals, all of the humans. This is one perfect creation. Let's, let's be one. One with goodness, with oneness, with everything. We want to thank Ayla Morian and Dane Cabrera for being on today's show. Be sure to go to our podcast homepage at soulfulvegans.com slash podcast to find all of the show notes for this episode. You can also find ways to support both of these organizations and so much more on our SoulFlow Vegans website. That's right, soulflowvegans.com. We have a directory, we have events, so much more articles, videos, you name it. We're more than just a podcast. So make sure you visit our website at soflowvegans.com to check that out. And we are winding down. That's right. We feels like we just started the other day, but we're winding down season six. And we have a lot of great episodes in the can. So be ready for that. We want to do something really big for our season finale as we get ready to usher in season seven in the weeks to come. So stay tuned for that. And of course, if you would like to support our movement, our growing, growing movement, we have a, a veg night out, the first 100% vegan market in South Florida. We're going to be working on getting that launched July 17th. You heard it here first, so be ready for that, as well as so many other initiatives. The best way is to go to soflowvegans.com support to see all of the ways you can support. So thank you for listening and we will see you next time.